Hello, everybody. Just a quick disclaimer before this week's episode. As you know, we've been recording our episodes remotely lately due to the COVID-19 pandemic, so please excuse the slight dip in audio quality. I also wanted to give a shout out to all the nurses, doctors, and medical professionals working every day to save lives. Y'all are the real heroes, and we love you. And now, here's the show. From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody. The Austin Film Festival is happening now. It is at austinfilmfestival.com. The virtual film festival will be running until October 29th. They have an incredible slate of films, discussions, panels. So you're going to want to check it out. You're definitely going to want to check out the film Good. And we are pleased to be joined by that film's writer, director, and star today, Justin Etheridge. Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, yeah, man. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Congratulations on getting into Austin and all the film success so far. It is, uh, it's well-deserved. Oh, wow. Thank you very much, man. Um, yeah, it's been a long, a long year to get this film made and done. So it feels great that, um, you know, it's resonating with people. And I'm just really excited to uh, you know, have everybody see the film and everybody's hard work, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell the audience a little bit about Good. Tell them a little log line. Good is a, is a film that tells the story of a young man named Peyton who uh, he gets a job working with this elderly man by the name of Gregory Devereaux, who's played by the wonderful and very talented Keith David. And uh, the film kind of circles around how uh, he, he starts working with this man while he's kind of facing the final months of his life and how their relationship flourishes over that time and life lessons are learned. The young man Peyton has his own battles in life and so does Gregory. Their relationship at this juncture in time kind of complements each other. Uh, and so they kind of learn and grow together. And your character, Peyton, you know, he's he's kind of faced with a dilemma. Him growing up without a father, he's kind of placed in that same kind of scenario here. I myself kind of, I grew up without a father, never met my dad uh, growing up. So there were a lot of elements in your film that, that really hit home for me and in the writing. Talk to me a little bit about the inception of this script and of this character, Peyton. Yeah, to elaborate more on some of the battles that Peyton's going through in a film, yeah, it's, it's, the film really is about fatherhood, you know? Yeah. And so, but no, I, I, uh, I remember when you first emailed me and you said that, and um, I wanted to even ask you about it, yeah, because, you know, how it connected with you because of your upbringing as well, you were saying. Yeah, no, it totally did. And about the forgiveness aspect too, you know, it's just like, because that's the kind of thing that's, I think that's what's tough about, you know, growing up without a father is like getting to that point of like forgiveness and understanding. Yeah, I mean, I definitely used Barbara's character, you know, almost as an, as she served as, you know, the theme of forgiveness, right? And at the end, mm-hmm. having to forgive him for all that he's done. It's like Peyton had this father issue, but so did Gregory. I mean, and so did Barbara, you know what I mean? And so, Absolutely. yeah, she, her having to forgive him is a representation of me now in my life, right? Because my father is still living and I know who he is and we have a, somewhat of a relationship now. But that would never have been able to happen without forgiveness, you know. Um, yeah. But it, it was key. I wouldn't have been able to make this film if I didn't have that or, you know what I mean, have explored that or, or, or wanted to have that with him, you know, that, to give that forgiveness. I wouldn't have been able to make this movie, you know. So um, 
I think that's interesting as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, the inception of the film, it did come from a personal background, uh, mine, similar to yours, you know, growing up in a single parent home, uh, not having a father around definitely plays its parts uh, on your life and it has uh, impacts whether you know them at a young age or you learn them later. And so for me, I really wanted to just explore. I think that topic is not, I haven't seen that topic explored enough in film in general, but I really wanted to just touch on it and explore uh, from my own perspective. And so Peyton, the character actually is a character based on who my father is and what he would have done or would not have done, you know, Mm -hmm. so just placing him in that position and wondering, regardless of all the excuses and ideas of why someone may not be in their child's life, the fact is there really is no real excuse or reason why. So I just wanted to explore that because there are so many people, you know, that yeah. grow up this. And it's like, you know, the main question is, well, why? What, you know, what happened? And so it's like, there really is no real excuse, but I just wanted to explore that idea because I think it's something that a lot of people deal with, not just in the African-American community. Uh, it's actually a, a universal issue, you know? So I learned that as well as I kept, you know, exploring this film. Was it difficult in the writing process to kind of like, you know, dive into this thing, having grown up, you know, from a single parent home and, you know, growing up without a father was some of this stuff kind of uncomfortable to to tackle in the writing process. Yeah, I think it was uncomfortable, but I, you know, I, I, uh, I have a great partner that I work with named Nathan Allen, who we collaborated on the screenplay with. And so I think he really helped me focus some of those emotions and not go too far too left with them. But there were definitely challenging times when you are touching on something that is so deep. And then, yeah, when I'm, you know, writing scenes that are based out of real life that have to do with my own life and my own upbringing and where I am today. Yeah. I think some of those things absolutely, you know, raise the hair on your back. And of yeah. course, seeing the film as you know, I'm acting in the film as well, that was even more challenging. So some of those scenes that are more emotional or more uh, vulnerable is, you know, all those things kind of came to a head on those moments. Cause I can, you, know, you can't really escape it once you're, once you're in it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It worked well, my friend. And, you know, I think, they always say, you know, like the more personal your stories are, the more universal they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that rings true with your film here. I want to talk about Keith David is just absolutely incredible in this film. He's been a favorite of mine for a long, long time. What was it like working with Mr. David on this role and collaborating with him on this film? Oh, yeah, that's awesome. He's been one of my favorites since I've been a kid, you know, growing yeah. up watching him. So it was uh, surreal to be able to work with him, but it was also an honor because I, you learn so much from him. You know, he's such, beyond being such a professional and such a um, story actor, you know, he, he has so much to bring on screen and off. So mm-hmm. I learned so much just as a director and an actor with him working scenes from script to rehearsals to, you know, putting it up in front of camera. So working with him was a dream. It really was. I mean, he, he's, he challenged me. He challenged everyone. Uh, and we challenged back. And I think that shows, or I hope that shows in the film, because he, he, he didn't come in and just do a favor. You know, he, he really wanted to sink his teeth into this role. And he wanted yeah. me and whoever else was a part of it to really bring it, you know. And so he brings that kind of elevation to a set anyway. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was a pleasure working with him. I learned so much. I grew so much. And uh, I hope to be able to work with him, you know, in the future again, of course, because uh, he's he's one of those actors that everyone knows. And it's because of his work, you know, he's, yeah. that, he's that great of an actor that his work speaks for itself. So it, it was an honor and a pleasure. Yeah, he, he, just, he really knocks it out of the park. So sometimes, it's just, you know, just his looks, you know, where he says <laughs> he says so much without saying any words at all. It's just uh, he's incredible. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's, uh, he really is that, you know. Your performance is pretty great in itself. So I want to talk to you about what your day-to-day process was like on this movie. Because, I mean, you're directing, 
your acting and, you know, I'm familiar with filmmaking on a budget. I'm sure that's not all you're doing on top of those two things. So first of all, congratulations on getting through it. But um, talk to us just about your process and how you were able to stay focused and, and, and still be able to execute. None of that would be capable without having a great team around you, people who not only support you, but believe in you and the project. And so I had a wonderful producer named Stephen Helliker. I had a wonderful cinematographer named Justin Richards, like I mentioned, a co-writer Nathan Allen, and a great editor named Gary Friedman. But as far as working on the set and doing it, I mean, yeah, it's challenging. I've made a couple of shorts prior to this, obviously, where I was also acting and directing, so it wasn't my first shot at it. So I have some comfortability in that aspect, but never a feature film. So you're taking on way more than you can uh, chew. And so I think I just had to be confident, number one, and believe in you know the story I'm telling the characters that we're doing and knowing why I'm telling the story, like always reminding myself why I'm telling this story, you know, not Mm -hmm. just to be creative, but really be invested. And so for me as an actor, you know, concentrating on that and dwelling on that really kept me in the moment. You know, obviously you do so much prep. You have to, you know, pre-production for me is super important for everybody. But I mean, when I'm acting in a film, it's it's almost twice as important because I have to do so much prior with my cinematographer, you know, so we're in a, we're on a basis of such trust. And once we get to set and we get to scenes, we've kind of rehearsed and gone through that we can just have a couple of communications and we know where we are, you know, and you kind of trust that process. So I think really just being able to collaborate with a cinematographer where we really understand each other is important. And then, yeah, also knowing when to take one hat off and put the other on, you know, it's like, of course I'm directing the film, but if it's a scene where it's just, let's say me and Keith, I don't have to worry about any other actors. We, we, we got camera. We know what the frame is. I really can just focus on performance. And yeah. so that's too. So now I don't have to worry. I'm not thinking about 10 other things. You know, I trust all my department heads. Everyone's doing their job. Everyone's invested. So I'm able in that moment to really just focus on the scene. And again, working with Mr. David, I mean, there's, there's, you don't, you don't have a moment to not be prepared. You don't have a moment to not be ready to give it your best, you know? Um, and you want to do that. So I don't know if it sounds crazy to say it was easier. Nothing's easier, but you know, it's, it's that much more motivating to really, you know, be that much invested. Absolutely, we would be remiss not to mention your actors who play Shannon and Jeanette and Barbara. They are they are absolutely spectacular as well. Oh yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, they're they're. You know, that's another thing about this film is you know, you know, working with strong women actors. You know, women strong characters, but also just very talented and strong individual women. And so uh, Shannon is played by. Kali Raquel, you know, Barbara's played by uh, Nefertari Spencer and uh, Jeanette is played by Christian Roberts. And, and they're all really great and talented. And, uh, you know, we're just willing to be vulnerable, you know, and go to places. And they actually connected with these characters also on a personal level, which made it that much more uh, a thrill to really collaborate with them. But yeah, they, they really gave it their all, you know, and I, I couldn't appreciate it more. And it just, I think it elevated everybody to just be on their best if you could, you know? Absolutely. I want to go back and kind of talk about the relationship between your character, Peyton, and Keith David's character. There was something I noticed towards the end of the film, and I was like, all right, I got to ask him about this tomorrow because I wonder if this was on purpose. But your guy's facial hair is very similar. And was like his is kind of like, the matured version of what you're rocking in the film. And obviously there's a lot of similarities between the characters themselves, you know, and Keith, Keith David is trying to pull you out of the mistakes that he's made. So I was wondering if that was a conscious choice to have that, that facial hair as like a, a physical mirroring 
between the two characters. It was choiceful to have the beards uh, yeah. for Gregory's character. And we can talk a little bit more about that if you want. But my beard, I definitely wanted to have some kind of facial hair. But I think, yeah, no, it wasn't something that we intentionally set out to do to make our beards in that capacity. But I think during production, we started to find other things that kind of organically started to make more sense between these characters, which was kind of cool. Something yeah. like that, the beard, you know. And there were a couple of other instances where things may have not have been planned. But when we get to that moment, we're like, oh, my God, look how this makes sense. Look how much this connects. And it was just yeah. kind of that. That those genuine kind of thing, cool things that usually happen on a set, maybe once or twice, you know, and you mm-hmm. kind of get with a really cool gym. So I think something like that may have um, played its part, but I love that you, you know, recognize that. But no, to match it, that particular moment wasn't an immediate choice, but it definitely lended itself to the film. And I think it played its part totally with these characters and, you know, their relationship. I love that, that when, you know, the movie kind of takes a life of its own, you know, and, and the characters take a life of its own and all these organic things start happening because like you've built you've built this world and 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 the world works and the world makes sense and the world has truth to it that's when you get these kind of like quote unquote happy accidents but they're you know they're serendipitous in a way and they they totally work for the film it's great yeah yeah that was the word yeah absolutely my last question is just you know having written and directed and starred in now you know a story that's that's pretty personal to you and now having completed it and it's showing what is it like just to kind of, you know, finally be done with it and be able to take a breath and, you know, remove yourself a little bit from it? What's going through your mind and your body? Well, I actually came back right now. I'm, in, I'm actually in Georgia, in Atlanta, where we shot the film. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I live in LA, but I'm here now because I kind of just wanted to be here seeing a year later or, or so or whatever, you know, that we're at this point now where the film is able to be shown. And I kind of just wanted to be in this environment, you know. Because once this is over, it's on to the next thing, you know, and you got to enjoy it while you have it now. So it, it feels really good to share it because it is a story that does come from a truthful place. It is a story that's a universal story. And I do want people to see it so it can resonate and we can have different conversations and people can feel uh, maybe more than they usually do. So for that, it's satisfying. It's a little sad because I, I, this process of making this film so unlike anything I've ever done and, and just getting here, the journey. So there's a little sadness in there, but there's yeah. also this excitement of, you know, uh, you always hope people like it, but it's just an excitement of, wow, you know, we, we really worked hard. We had something that was an, an emotion that went from an emotion to an idea, to paper, to exploring, and now we have it. And so now we're letting people see it. So I think it's most gratifying to just to get that part done. And I'm just grateful and thankful for everyone who honestly helped make this film that believed in the project. And now that, you know, the Austin Film Festival being so magnificent to accept this film and give it as a platform to allow things like this. It's what every filmmaker uh, hopes to do as you continue to find your way and, and, and perfect the craft. Absolutely, man. Well, congratulations again, everybody at home. You can check out Good. It's available at the Austin Film Festival until October 29th. Check out austinfilmfestival.com for tickets and details. You can follow us on Instagram at LA Diversity Film Fest. We'll be plugging the film as well, so keep up to date with that. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. When we come back, Justin is going to help us out with our favorite segment, Give Me Three. We'd like to take a minute and give a very special thanks to our new sponsor, E-Minutes. E-Minutes is a company of entertainment lawyers who are dedicated to giving a platform to underrepresented voices by helping filmmakers form companies and other necessary legal entities. 
They're sponsoring a new award with LADFF called the Emerging Filmmaker Award and giving their services for free to the lucky winners. You can find out more about them by going to LADFF.com and clicking on the E-Minutes link. All right, we're back, everybody. This is Film Forward, and we're talking to Justin Etheridge. He is the writer and director of the film Good. He's about to hook us up with three films that have inspired him and inspired his work. Justin, let's get your first one, sir. Uh, the first film, I would say, was Finding Forrester by Gus Van Sant, 2000. 20 years old, 20-year anniversary of this film. Yeah, 20 years anniversary. That, that was a film that really stood out to me just growing up in general and did the relationship, I think, between the young man and the old man. And uh, the irony of that and, and seeing how a young person can help an old person, an old person can help a young person, and just that, that they're, they're solving each other's life through each other. That always stood out to me, and I definitely pulled from that. Absolutely. We recently did an episode of Just Give Me Threes with a friend of ours, David, and the, the theme was the year 2000. So Sonia, myself, and David all picked films from the year 2000, and Finding Forrester was like, on my short list, it did end up being one of the ones that I picked, but yeah. I really, really, it's probably just because I hadn't seen it in so long. Maybe if I rewatched it, it, it would end up being my three, but I remember really, really loving this film. I love movies about writers, you know, I'm a sucker yeah. for movies about writers. I don't know what happened to this actor because he, he was so good wow. in this movie. And uh, I, th- I think this was like his first movie. And then I didn't really see too much of him after. Yeah. I think his name is Rob Brown. Or yeah. Rob? Right. Right. Yeah, he was great. Uh, I don't know what happened to him after, um, but he was very good in that film. Um, and I think Peyton and his character absolutely relate to an extent, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and finding Forrester, I can, you know, just Sean Connery, him, him as a curmudgeonous old man, you know, and, and his <laughs> and living his own life and no one can tell him anything yet this young man somehow you know changes his life he takes interest in this young man you know life sometimes you just meet someone at a diner and who knows six months later you know so i think that that relationship uh building of opposites coming together and seeing life become something new it was fascinating to me then as a kid and, and still is now yeah Finding Forrester, great film, great film. I'm excited to rewatch it. I think it's available now on Amazon Prime for the listeners at home. If you want to check it out, it is worth, definitely worth checking out. Okay, your second one. Uh, yeah, second film, it's just Shame, which is by Stephen Queen, 2011. Yeah, Shame was a, a great film. I think what, what we pulled from it, what we really wanted to, uh, what we enjoyed about it and focused on was like the isolation aspect of the main character and mm-hmm. kind of really to, I think they did a really good job at showing isolation uh, on screen. I wanted to use those same kind of characteristics with Peyton when he's going through these hard decisions he has to make or going through these ups and downs, how to isolate him within a world where you're just kind of really glued into what's going on with him. I mean, even the same thing when we see Gregory. Yeah, Shane was really great uh, in that isolation of a character and really showing, you know, getting in the mind of a character, would you, sort of, would you say, you know, uh, compositionally. Yeah, absolutely. And that also, you know, is something that is done. It's a great transition into your third film because uh, your third film accomplishes that very well as well. So what is your third film? Yeah, third film was Moonlight. Uh, of course, Barry Jenkins, 2016. And yeah, I think with Moonlight, the, the reference to that or the ideas with that was wanting to feel the vibrancy, you know, in the culture of Atlanta, maybe to an extent. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the vibrancy of like, the colors and, and just the world that we're, we're trying to create. 
wanted to have more like strong saturated colors in the world instead of like this conventional toned down, you know, a regular conventional toned down approach. I think Moonlight really did a great job of that uh, compositionally, definitely with the characters as well, no question about it. And I think even just the vibrancy of highlighting where they were and making those locations in that world really come to life with that aspect, you know? And then, yeah, the characters as well, just really focusing on it being a character-driven film and really wanting to put the onus on character and not anything else, you know? Yeah, Moonlight, man, I think I think it's one of the best films in the last 20 years. It's an, just an absolute masterpiece yeah. visual poetry at its finest and and the and the sound design is other level like some a lot of times i don't really notice sound design in films you know especially if i'm watching it for the first time but yeah. the sound design of this movie is just like so brilliantly executed and like tells the story just as much as as the visuals yeah. and and the performances it really does i mean especially that one scene which one of my favorite things i've seen in my is when you know, I think it's Sharon's having an argument with his mother as they're walking like in the middle of that kind of field area between the project. Yeah. And like they're arguing, you know, you're all in on them. But, you know, in the background, you can see like maybe kids running in the back or in the, and like you can just hear the little intricate details, you know, of them mm-hmm. being in that environment that, you know, if you've ever been over there, you know what it not only looks like, but what it does sound like. And I agree with you. I think they really did a great job of doing that. It's amazing, man, that film. Absolutely, man. Moonlight, if you guys have not checked it out, for the love of God, check it out. It is a movie that needs to be watched and rewatched and rewatched again. Justin, those are excellent three choices, my friend. And once again, excellent job on your film. Good. I'm super happy for you. Happy for your team. You guys did a great job. And I'm excited to see what's next for me, brother. Please uh, please keep us updated. Absolutely, man. No, thank you. Honestly, I want to say thanks for taking the time out to speak about the film, you know, and, and I'm glad that it resonated with you. And yeah, man, we'll I'm looking forward to what's to come, you know? So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. I love you guys do, man. Really just like giving, you know, filmmakers a platform and an opportunity in their films, like being invested as film and cinema files ourselves. Like, you know, it's awesome, you know? So thank you, man. More than happy to do it, my friend. Once again, good. It is available at the Austin Film Festival until October 29th. You can visit austinfilmfestival.com for tickets and details. Follow us on Instagram at LA Diversity Film Fest. We'll be plugging it for this film festival. And then, uh, you know, if it has more life after this, we'll be continuing to plug it as well. Thank you guys, everybody, for listening to Film Forward. And we will catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.